Um, so I, I've been really into the past couple of years, for those of you who don't know me, um, I was raised Catholic. Was anyone raised Catholic in this room? Yeah, you know, it's a serious endeavor to raise a Catholic child. People take it very seriously. Um, and I went to Catholic school here in Portland um, my whole life and then um, left, you know, and became a yoga teacher. <laughs> um, and I have a lot of wounding from when I was young um, from growing up in that spiritual tradition because there's a lot of focus on the wrong and bad, right? And not a lot of focus on what some of the like more revolutionary um, people have been talking about. I like revolutionary Catholics. I like the rebels. Like, are you almost on the verge of getting kicked out of the Catholic Church? <laughs> then, like, let's chat, <laughs> you know? And um, there's a thing that people call Christ consciousness um, who are on that verge. And it has a lot to do with how it's like yoga, essentially, which is why I like it. There's a couple of things that I'm going on a lot of tangents today, I can tell already. But I think there's a couple of things that I like in a teacher. Um, one of them is, are you going to be coming at me from a multi-faith perspective, right? That is not dogmatic, that is able to see that essentially all spiritual traditions are talking about the same thing when you get down to the heart of it, right? And then the other thing I like to think about is, um, can we, can we, can we really, um, I don't know, I lost my train of thought because I'm on tangent land today. That's okay. <laughs> Yes, multi-faith perspective. So when I talk about things here like Jesus or Christ consciousness, what I'm really talking about is yoga because it's the same thing. Does that make sense? Um, does anyone know the comedian Pete Holmes? No? Oh my gosh, he's hilarious, also a yogi. But one day he was talking to an ACDC roadie. And the ACDC roadie said to him that God is just the blanket that we throw over the mystery the name of the blanket that we throw over the mystery to give it form. Isn't that beautiful, right? And I think that um, love is also one of those words. It's a way that we throw a blanket over what it feels like to be alive in this body to give it some sort of form. But when we go to describe love, it's very difficult. Do you know what I mean? Um, and we tend to limit it with our words because the experience of love, I bet most of you in your bodies have felt it, where it's like flowing through you. You feel connected. It's this fabulous, ultimate sort of like yogic union feeling. Yeah? And then we go to describe it and we're like, <laughs> you know, it's hard to describe those moments when we're feeling like that. Um, and I'm coming back around. It's happening. And there's one of the really rebellious Catholics that I like to listen to and read and think about. His name is Father Richard Rohr. Has anyone heard of him? No? You should check him out. He's awesome. He says that love is learning to say yes to what is. Love is learning to say yes to what is. But suffering is whenever we are not in control. Right? And so there's this awesome, I love a paradox. There's this awesome paradox built into this, right? Because, are you see it, Megan Rose? The Megan sees it. Yeah. <laughs> um, because if love is learning to accept what is, but then suffering is whenever we're not in control, we're never in control, friends. We convince ourselves that we think we are all the time, right? 
then essentially what he's saying is that when we're leaning into love, that we're accepting that suffering is the path to transformation. Does that make sense? So there's a paradox there, which is absolutely fabulous. And if there's not a paradox, I kind of don't want to hear about it. Because then it's like someone coming up in front of you, a guru coming up in front of you and saying, like, this is the way, this is how you do it. And that's never how it is. It's always two truths. It's always accepting two things simultaneously. And there's this fabulous story, friends, um, that comes from the Buddhist tradition, right? Um, Because I think, like, if suffering is whenever we don't feel in control, like, you probably suffered on the way here at a red light, you know, where you're like, oh, damn it. Or when the person in front of you isn't going, like, fast enough, right? It's kind of constant. And um, there's this beautiful, and we can either, like, push it away and kind of be like, you know when you dislike someone? <laughs> and, does that ever happen to you guys? That is <laughs> and you feel this kind of, like, pushing away kind of feeling, and then you realize it's kind of because they remind you of the parts of yourself that you dislike. Does that ever happen to anyone here? Um, so anyone that's like real judgmental, I'm like, oh. But that's the part of myself that I have like a very difficult time accepting, right? It's the part of myself, the judgy, kind of like righteous, like serious part of myself is very difficult for me to accept inside of myself. Um, but when we can and we can sit with that, there's like a so- and accept it, right? There's a softness and a love that enters in the suffering of not being able, um, of not being perfect, right? Of not being able to be perfect. But here's the thing, is if we were perfect, if we were like everything is just like, it's fine, I don't suffer at all, I accept everything as it is, we wouldn't have the opportunity to lean into the mystery. Right? Because I know, at least for me, I can't do it by myself. Right? I need to lean into my community. I need to lean into like God or spirit or whatever it is, something larger than myself, in order to feel like I can be held and to make the change in order to like move into our own loving awareness. Um, and there's this beautiful story about the Buddha, this sort of like accepting in quality that he demonstrates where this dude got enlightened. I wonder if anyone's ever said that about the Buddha before. This dude got enlightened. <laughs> and yet still, he's visited by a demon called Mara. Right? Still, even in the even when he's enlightened. And he has sort of this helper named Ananda, which means bliss, right? And this helper kind of freaks out when the demon comes around. And the Buddha's there, and, he, and the, the Ananda will be like, oh, the demon's coming, right? And the Buddha says... The Buddha's like, and he's all anxious about it, kind of like representing that part of ourselves that when we want to push away, when we want to like judge, when we don't want to like live into our own wholeness and loving awareness. And then the Buddha's like, no way, man. Come sit down. Let's have tea. And invites the demon Mara to tea, right? And the idea behind this is that if we can like invite the parts of ourselves in that we want to push away, that we don't like, then there's going to be an accept what is, there's going to be an expansion of that loving awareness that can happen. Does that make sense, friends? Um, So that's why we practice yoga, because ultimately, like, what we're doing, the Upanishads say that there's three requirements for transformation, a body, the teachings, and thirst, right? Those three things. And 
when we come to yoga, what we're doing when we like are like, okay, drive your right sitting bone to the back of the room is that we're cultivating awareness so that we might have more choices so that we can be more readily available to be able to accept things as they are and move into the flow of love. That's what we're doing. We're practicing with our own consciousness in our own body. Yeah? So let's do it. I'm excited. <laughs>